Hi. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's so cool to be coming live to you this morning. Um, whether you're watching um, live now or it's a replay, you are so welcome this morning at Grace Church with us. It looks kind of like maybe this is like a floating stage on its own, but there's so many team, tech team um, people making this happen um, behind the scenes who will always be invisible. So um, thank you so much, everyone, that's uh, made this live streaming possible. Um, I'd love us to just spend a moment before we start focusing on Jesus. Um, I'd love us to ask him to speak through what I have to say today. I think it's so much harder when you're at home and you, it's just you in a screen or your family in a screen. Maybe that's even harder than this kids running around. It can feel harder to, um, to concentrate. Um, but I'd love to ask you, maybe put your phone somewhere. You can't reach it um, while I speak. Um, maybe remove other distractions. And I'm just going to pray for us. I, um, maybe join me as we pray. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to focus on you now. Would you come to us where we are, wherever we are, Jesus? Would you help us to fix our eyes on you, to hear your encouragement, your challenge, your truth to us today? Lord, I thank you that you don't need lights and atmosphere and a big band, Lord, that you come to right where we are. Or would you move today? Amen. Uh, this is, uh, we're part of a, s- a series at the moment um, called I Am. We're looking at the I Am statements of Jesus in the book of John, which are statements Jesus said about himself. And we're focusing on those because knowing who Jesus is, knowing what Jesus said about himself changes everything for us. And there's always deeper depths um, to go to in our relationship with Jesus, our knowledge of who he is. Last week, JP uh, talked to us about Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. And today we're looking at, I am the light of the world. This comes in John chapter 8, verse 12. The verse says, it says, Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In this one verse alone, we see the beauty of Jesus who came to save us from the darkness. Jesus who gives the light of life, who is himself the way out of the darkness because he is himself the light. In this one verse alone, we see why Jesus became his own creation, came to live in a broken world. We see the heart of Jesus for those who are lost those who are wandering in darkness. In this one verse is an invitation to life, to fullness, to freedom, and to joy. We actually um, have spent the morning already um, singing songs about um, the light of Jesus, the um, Jesus outshining the sun. We see that all in this verse. But if we just read this couple of sentences from Jesus, this one verse, without knowing uh, where he was, or particularly the day of the year that it was, it's a bit like watching the 22nd Marvel film without watching any of the others. If you don't know what Marvel films are, they are films about superheroes. That's about all I know. 
Um, my sister loves them. Her room has like a whole shelf. Do you remember DVDs? Like literally like a whole line of DVDs dedicated to them. And when she would like maybe convince me to watch one with her, I would know what was going on, maybe just about. I would be able to follow something of the plot. But I know that there was so much that I missed because I didn't know the backstory, uh, the in-jokes, the references that would have built up a much richer picture that I was able to form through watching just one film. I have been assured that it would have been a more satisfying, even a more moving experience to watch these single films, not in isolation, but with knowledge of the world that they're a part of. It's satisfying to us as storytelling creatures when threads of a story come together, when we have those penny drop moments where we see where something's all been leading to, all those hints suddenly become clear. You were maybe told in like RE lessons at school that this book is a library made up of 66 books. And that is true, but it's also one book telling one story. And John, in chapter 8, is giving his listeners some of those penny drop moments where threads are coming together. So let's look for a minute at the backdrop for Jesus' claim that he is the light of the world. So uh, every autumn, the Jewish people would gather in Jerusalem for what they called the Festival of Our Rejoicing or uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. In uh, the ESV, it's called the Feast of Booths, but that's harder to say, so we're going with um, Feast of Tabernacles. <laughs> it's called the Feast of Tabernacles because all around the city of Jerusalem, in uh, rooftops, courtyards, on city streets, the people would build temporary tabernacles for themselves to sleep in for a week. So, like, temporary accommodation made of, like... Um, well, I'm not sure, actually, like leaves and wood and things. Um, <laughs> they, were, um, they did this to remember the time that we read about in the book of Exodus, where the Israelites lived in temporary tents in the wilderness, and they were guided through the wilderness by God to the promised land. We've had a bit of chat about this already. Uh, so sorry, again, if you are... Uh, in a bit of a bar humbug mood. Um, but think of the person in your life who is currently the most excited about Christmas. I think Claudia has topped that today for me. Um, so think of Claudia's excitement, her eagerness to put up the Christmas tree, uh, to listen to Christmas music, eat Christmas food. Where are you even buying Christmas food at the moment? Don't know. That feeling is how people were feeling heading into the Feast of Tabernacles. It was this exuberant week of uh, like a camping trip party, Ce celebrating, feasting, music, dancing. It's a bit like uh, Jewish Glastonbury. <laughs> Just a few more reed flutes and ram's horns. If you're wondering how this tradition began, it was actually God's idea. In Leviticus, which is the book of the law, Jesus, uh, uh, well, the Lord instructs his people uh, to celebrate this festival. So it says in Leviticus 23, it's a statute 
forever, forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. We are made in the image of a celebratory God. He is exuberant and overflowing and generous. He is full of joy. He cares so much about celebrations that he literally commands his people to celebrate, to have festivals. I think that's a great justification for having a Christmas tree up before the 1st of December. So if God is a God who loves celebration, when God becomes a man, what does he do? Well, he parties and he goes to festivals. And he goes to the Feast of Tabernacles, which is where he is in this verse. There's a specific reason that he's chosen the backdrop of the Feast of Tabernacles to describe himself as the light of the world. Because during this feast, the people would gather in a court of the temple as four huge oil lamps were lit. These lamps were lit to remember the story in Exodus of the provision of miraculous light in the wilderness when the people were living in their tents, in their tabernacles. This was a story from the Bible passed down through generations, recalling the faithfulness of a God who guides the way with his own presence. It said that at the feast, the light from these lamps would light up every courtyard in Jerusalem. The people would dance and sing under the light all night until dawn. And before them now, perhaps even under the glow of these huge lamps of the temple courts, stands the one man they have always pointed towards, the light of the world. There's this whole genre of YouTube video that involves celebrities surprising their fans by like disguising themselves and then um, like appearing, and, and the fans are like, "Ah, it's you!" and they cry. <laughs> um, I've seen a few of these for research purposes, obviously. Um, the best one is Arnold Schwarzenegger's like pretending to be a um, like a waxworker, like Madame Two Swords or something, and this poor woman and her baby come over and like pose with him, and then he's like, hello, and she loses it and starts screaming, and then her baby starts screaming, and he, Arnold's like, ugh. Um, Jesus at this festival reminded me of these videos because these people are celebrating a story that was all pointing to him, the Israelites, redeemed from bondage, brought out into a place where God would dwell with them. It's the gospel. It's foreshadowing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's right here at the festival. And most of them don't yet know who he truly is. I love the drama that John paints in, this, in his depiction. It's really not an overstatement to say that it's all about Jesus. I know it's something preachers say, but it's really true. The Old Testament is full of stories and pictures and images that all whisper his name. And now Jesus has come to turn those whispers into a shout. 
He has come to bring a resolution to all those threads, all those hints and storylines in the Bible. He is the light that illuminates the scriptures. We actually sung about it uh, just now in the other song about light. <laughs> um, love it when worship sets you up. <laughs> well, um, in What a Beautiful Name, it says, You were the word at the beginning, one with God the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you our Christ. See, no one had ever seen God. They'd seen his power and his provision in the desert. They'd heard his voice through the prophets. But no one had ever seen God until now because Jesus has made him known. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power, yet he has become his own creation. He is the eating, drinking, dancing light of the world. Now, Jesus doesn't just leave this um, statement, I am the light of the world, hanging in the air. He follows it with an invitation. He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. To understand something of what Jesus is talking about with this invitation, let's look a little more at the Israelites' time in the wilderness in the book of Exodus. So when God led his people, all two million of them, out of slavery in Egypt, they became a nomadic nation on a long journey, heading to a home that they actually had never seen. This was the promised land. Uh, it's called the land flowing with milk and honey. And they wouldn't live in tabernacles or tents anymore, but they would build houses and cultivate gardens and plant vineyards. The Israelites were expert campers, so they knew what they were doing. But after hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt and then 40 more years of rootlessness in the desert, how wonderful the idea of home must have been. Before they get to the promised land, the only way that they know how, the way they're going is that God leads them by his own presence. So in Exodus 13, 21, it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. And that's what those big lamps at the festival are celebrating when God was leading his people home, he didn't just send a list of directions. He guided them by his own presence, dwelling with them. At night, they were not plunged into darkness, but they had the very presence of God as their guide. If you know the history of God's people in the Old Testament, you might know that they were fearful and full of doubt and often disobedient and wayward and rebellious. But God is not like humans. He is faithful. He was faithful to them. This is what he says in Isaiah 46. Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you who, you who I have upheld since your birth. 
and carried since you were born. It's talking all the way back to this time. Even to your old age and grey hairs, I am he. I'm he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. We too were wandering, not in a physical wilderness, but a spiritual wilderness. And the Father saw us stuck in slavery to our own sin, lost like sheep, without a shepherd, and he had great compassion on us. It was his desire to lead us safely along the path home, through the wilderness, to himself. So he sent us his own pillar of fire, his eternal son, who would bring us out of darkness into light to lead us home to the Father. And he is the way. There is no other way. No other lights will lead us home. There are no wise guides or 10-year plans, no maps that we make ourselves. Jesus himself says later on in John, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This claim couldn't really be bigger. And those listening to Jesus on this day knew that. As is always the case with Jesus' teaching, it divided the crowd. The Jewish religious leaders, probably angry that Jesus is hijacking their favourite week of the year, they effectively say to him, how dare you make this claim? They say, verse 13, so the Pharisees said to them, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. But Jesus doesn't have to defend his claim to be light. He just shines. To those who have eyes to see, Jesus is self-evidently glorious. He is like a nebula or like the light shining through a window on a cold winter's day. There were many listening on this day who heard the invitation. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And they believed. And it wasn't because he performed a great miracle or a sign or a wonder. It's because the word of Jesus has the power to take us from death to life. Do you see the kindness of Jesus in this invitation? He says, whoever follows me. It's for everyone. It's for you today. God's heart is that you would hear his invitation to follow his son to a room prepared for you, to the feast that awaits the children of God who come through the wilderness to their eternal home. As you imagine yourself perhaps even in that crowd, surrounded by these festivities under these lights, and you hear Jesus say, I am the light of the world, follow me. What is the response of your heart today? Even if you said, yes, I will follow you, many years ago to Jesus, there's still a daily invitation to say yes today, to trust him again today, to walk in the light with him today. 
I wonder if you identify with any of the following members of the crowd. The reluctant hearer, the fearful hearer, or maybe the exhausted hearer. The reluctant hearer might say, yeah, I know this is true. I know you are the only way. I believe you. But deep down, you don't really believe that Jesus has your joy in mind. You find yourself feeling that walking in the light is actually kind of hard work, maybe even a bit boring. You don't enjoy worshipping or reading the Bible, and particularly maybe during this time, it's been harder than ever. If this is you, there's an invitation that there's so much more for you than this. Remember where Jesus is when he makes this invitation. He's at a party that's all about him that he came up with in the first place. Remember that he cares so much about our joy that he commands us to rejoice. He gives us rest. The answer isn't to kind of dig your heels in and just keep going, maybe try harder. But um, as JP said last week, the answer is to come and get a fresh glimpse of who Jesus really is. Because you will find that he has come to bring life to the full. No catches, no requirements that you can't meet, no small print. I think we all at times find ourselves saying, "Ah, oh God, if you just gave me what I really wanted, then I'd be really happy and then I'd follow you wholeheartedly. The psalmist says, you are the Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. He's not saying there's nothing good in my life. He's saying compared to the Lord, everything else comes second. He makes known to us the path of life. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Perhaps hearing Jesus talk about the light, you actually feel fearful because you feel that you've let the Lord down. Maybe you've made decisions that have made you feel like you're actually walking in the darkness. Maybe you feel stuck in them and that you have wandered too far from the light. Romans 5 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means that he loved you when you were at your very darkest, when you were the furthest possible point from that path. He went to the depths of darkness for you. If he loved you when you were so far from the light, he will not now abandon you. In darkness, when you are faithless or doubting or wayward or rebellious, Remember God's faithfulness to those wayward and rebellious Israelites doubting in the desert. As Dane Ortland says in his excellent book, Gentle and Lowly, Christ loved you all the way through death itself. What must that mean for you? It means first that your future is secure. If you are his, heaven and relief are coming for you cannot be made unhis. He himself has made you his own, and you cannot squirm out of his grasp. 
Do not fear. He will keep you safely along the path until you reach home. And then finally, maybe you are the exhausted hearer. Maybe, again, you know, Jesus is the light of the world, but it just doesn't feel very light right now. Actually, maybe it feels a bit like you're in a wilderness. We are in a wilderness. When we follow Jesus, he places us, our feet on the path that will lead us home, but we're not home yet. We, like the Israelites, are a nomadic people. We're not more in the wilderness because of the global crisis that we find ourselves in. But I think it has highlighted to us the futility of trusting in the world, the reality of suffering and death. The Father has comfort for us today. So don't give up. Don't turn to other comforts for escape. Nothing else will satisfy. Keep your eyes fixed on the destination. We are a people who live in tents, but Jesus Christ, our great pillar of light, is leading us home to the promised land, where it is said about us that there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Whatever the wilderness looks like for you today, let's lift up our eyes and see him. Let's believe again today that he is exactly who he says he is. Band, would you like to come up? Jesus is the light of life. He is faithful to his people. He is faithful to us as a church. He is present with us by the fire of his own spirit. He is our light and our salvation. The band are just going to play a bit. And I'd really love us to pray and respond to Jesus, whichever one of those categories you fall into. Maybe it's a little bit of all three. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can see ourselves in these observers, the reluctant, the fearful, and the exhausted, because we're human. Something that I found quite exciting when thinking about Jesus being our light is that he doesn't need the lights or the atmosphere or the dark room or the crowd that maybe we'd normally have on a Sunday. But he himself can walk into the rooms that we're in. He can come by his spirit right now in the unassuming setting of you and your laptop screen or the TV 
He is closer to us today than that pillar of fire. Why don't you close your eyes, maybe hold out your hands to respond to him. particularly if you are in the exhausted camp the answer is not escape today it's encounter with him Jesus would you come and encounter us again today Lord would you shine your light in the dark places. Lord, would you show us again the light of life? We long to see you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you don't need anything but our expectation. Don't need anything to come and meet with us. Even a mustard seed of faith, Lord, and you can come rushing in. Lord, would you do it again today? Would you restore? We're going to sing now to respond to him.